sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to our number two, the morning after live right here on SportsGrid and Sirius XM on this Wednesday, all across the SportsGrid network and Sirius XM channel 159 is the home for SportsGrid radio. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Wednesday, the final day of the Major League Baseball regular season. The postseason is already set. We know all six teams in the American League And the National League. We'll take a quick look at the playoff bracket. Also discussing some other storylines from around MLB on this final day. Coming up in this second hour, we bring you until 11 a.m. Eastern time. Our coach, James Young, joins us next for his scouting report. Getting ready for the NBA season to begin. It starts just next week or two weeks from now, rather. October 18th. We will go back to some NFL talk as well. We'll look at Major League Baseball and that postseason, specifically with the Yankees and college football here in hour two as well. So quickly here, let's just touch on the National League. We now know the playoff positioning for the NL. The Atlanta Braves clinching the National League East last night, the divisional champions. Incredibly significant because it means the Braves are the two seed in the National League postseason. And now... As things stand in the expanded playoffs with six teams in each league, the top two seeds get a bye. The other divisional champion will host and then a wild card matchup as well. So the Braves get a bye until the DS. The Mets host the wild card series against the San Diego Padres. And the reason that is so significant, you can see it in the odds right now. Let's look at the NLCS odds to make the NLCS quickly here. The Los Angeles Dodgers are minus 210. To make the championship series. The Atlanta Braves are minus 160 to get there. And then the Cardinals have the third best price at plus 240. And the Mets have the fourth best number at plus 260. The Mets who have been neck and neck with the Braves all year. And even the Dodgers who for most of this season. Probably three-fourths if not four-fifths of it. Have had the second best price to win the National League pennant. Only behind L.A have seen a significant drop-off in their number because the path now in the postseason is so much more difficult against a good San Diego Padres team. They do not get that by, and if they advance to the NLDS after the best-of-three wild-card series, they would have to take on the Dodgers as opposed to not having to see L.A. until the best-of-seven NLCS series, potentially. That is why it was so significant what was happening, happening in the National League East and the Braves clinch the divisional title. So as we go around Major League Baseball on this final day of the Major League Baseball regular season, let's check in on a couple other storylines. In Oakland today, it's the A's and the Angels to round out this year. Shohei Otani will make one final start. One last Shohei day here in the regular season, and the Halos see that booked in their price, minus 225. But the Angels have been by all standards, a very disappointing team this year. They will finish the year either 15 or 16, or either 14 or 16 games below 500, currently a 73 and 88 record. The Angels had a win total entering this season at 83 and a half. They had not gone over that number in five seasons, now make it six. And it's disappointing for the Angels that had so much optimism, 
with Shohei Otani as a part of the lineup and what we hope would be a Mike Trout for most of this season, healthy and in that lineup as well. The Angels will finish well below 500 and not come close to sniffing the postseason. Hey, welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of TMA on this Wednesday, Sirius XM Channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. The final day of the Major League Baseball regular season, where at least at the start of next regular season, Shohei Otani will be a Los Angeles Angel of Anaheim, signing a huge one-year agreement, a $30 million contract to avoid arbitration. It's the largest salary ever for an arbitration-eligible player and will be his final number before he hits the free agent jackpot following the 2023 season. So he has one more year guaranteed in Anaheim before he becomes maybe the most prized free agent ever in the history of Major League Baseball. As we go around the league, the bigs one final time in this regular season. We know the postseason is set. We know those teams in each league. And we expected the Chicago White Sox to be in the American League postseason. The White Sox were minus 210 to win the American League Central in the preseason. It was the best odds of any team to win any division in the American League, only behind the Dodgers as a favored divisional champ entering this season. The White Sox are hosting the Twins today. They're minus 124 at home on the south side, but the White Sox will not be in the postseason. It was the Cleveland Guardians, the champions in the American League Central. And Tony La Russa is stepping away from baseball, the White Sox skipper, due to health concerns. What a disastrous tenure that was, at least in my estimation. So the White Sox will not be in the postseason. The Guardians did win the American League Central. Cleveland will host the Tampa Bay Rays, in their opening wildcard series. It's best of three. All three games played at the higher seed. In this case, it will be in Cleveland. And as we have said, there is a clear distinction between the top two teams in the American League and the rest of the field. The Guardians, the Blue Jays, the Mariners, and even the Rays. You can see it there reflected in the odds to make the championship series. The Astros minus 195. The Yankees minus 170, only 25 cents of distinction there. And then nearly a $4 drop-off to Toronto's price at plus 280. Can any other team in the AL challenge? The odds don't necessarily reflect that in the most favorable manner. From the end of one season to the start of the NBA campaign, our coach James Young joins the show next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The 2022-23 NBA season starts in just under two weeks our coach James Young is here to give us the scouting report on this Wednesday live on the morning after all across the grid but as we get ready and preseason basketball is taking place around the league JY we host a draft special together along with our good pal OK Dubs Kevin Walsh each and every June looking at the future of the NBA and after this 2022 edition the 2023 odds were already up for the number one overall pick in a name everybody needs to know, if you don't already, Victor Wembayama out of France. He is a unicorn. He is seven foot four. He handles like Steph Curry. He shoots the three like Kevin Durant. And he has the physicality of Giannis Antetokounmpo and can block shots like Rudy Gobert down low. 
He is that stinking good. And last night, JY, we saw that on display against the presumed number two overall pick in G League Ignites Scoot Henderson. Victor Wembayama had 37 points. He made seven threes. He had five blocks. Scoot Henderson, not bad on the other side, 28 points and nine dimes. But JY, as you watched everything last night between Wembayama and Henderson, what was your evaluation? Let the tank a thon begin. I mean, Tank City is coming. This is going to be fa- listen. The team that may win the most in the NBA, maybe the team that gets the number one pick. I said it to Ben during the commercial break. I don't know if there's ever been a guy since LeBron that has been this hyped up, this far out from the draft. And this was the first time he's played in the States against Scoot Henderson, the G League Ignite, and it was all the good. So people can put the rest, some of the things. He plays no competition. He's not that good. He hasn't dominated in the EuroLeague. Let's not sleep, folks. The EuroLeague is a hell of a lot better than people think it is. So this kid put on a show last night. Kevin Durant and Giannis had a baby. And here's the thing. And here's the big thing with this. If you look at his body, Ben, He's got the muscle tone like a young Giannis. What does that mean? He's going to be able to put weight on once he mm. gets to the NBA. So 7-4, 7-5, three-point shot, high release, tight handle, and about 40 to 50 pounds in about the next three to four years in the NBA? <laughs> Good luck with that one. Yeah, good luck to every single team out there, and good luck to the Tankathon beginning. There are seven teams, JY, that are tied for the longest odds to win the NBA championship. You can consider those the seven worst teams in the association. The Thunder, the Magic, the Pacers, the Rockets, the Spurs, the Pistons, and the Jazz, all at 500 to 1. Those will be teams to keep an eye on that look for the future services of Victor Wembeyama. And Scoot Henderson would probably be number one overall if it wasn't for the generational type talent in Wembeyama, somebody we really have never seen at 7-4 to do what he can do. All right, let's focus on this upcoming season in the NBA. Some news and notes from around the association this week, JY. Tyler Hero getting the bag to remain in Miami for the Heat. A big, big number for an NBA sixth man of the year candidate what does he mean jy tyler hero to miami's chances of contending for an eastern conference crown well let's keep it real ben this ain't about tyler hero during the regular season i need to find that tyler hero from the bubble that dude is in witness protection once the playoffs start so he was upset he wants to start he wants the bag okay you got the bag now can you deliver the goods this year for the Miami Heat. They're going to need Tyler Hero to have a big year because obviously Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler. Kyle Lowry looks to be in better shape. Bam is Bam, but they lose P.J. Tucker. So I still love Miami. There was a survey of, of GMs around the league, and they said that Eric Spolcher, who I agree, is the best coach in the NBA. But in order for them to make that run, Ben, you got to admit, Tyler Hero's got to perform in the playoffs. Yep. Miami right now, 9-1, to one, the fifth best price to win the Eastern Conference. As we flip it over to the Western Conference, JY, 
a very tumultuous offseason as we get ready for the new year in the NBA for the Phoenix Suns. Robert Sarver has begun to sell the team in Phoenix, as ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski has reported. It might be a record-setting franchise sale here in the States. Phoenix, a very attractive location for new ownership. But as we take it to the odds, JY, Phoenix, one of the higher win totals in the NBA, 53 and a half. They still have very good odds to win the West and very short odds to win an NBA championship. What do you think the outlook is for Phoenix entering this new season? Well, the thing about you learn about Monty Williams is his teams don't take nights off. So I still mm. like them to go over their win total of 53 and a half. It's all about have they burned the incense? Have they burned the sage? Is it kumbaya between DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams? That is the mm. key to me in this whole success of Phoenix. I've said this since I've come on this network, and I'm a big Phoenix fan of what they do. They have to run the offense through DeAndre Ayton in the low post to loosen up the defense for the high pick and roll for Chris Paul coming off and space it with shooters. Obviously, the Jay Crowder situation is not good as well. He's looking to get out because he doesn't want to come off the bench because rightly so, they want to go with Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges in the front court with DeAndre Ayton. So here's the thing. If they're going to play this right and they're going to keep DeAndre Ayton and they get them involved early and often, I love them to go over their win total. But I don't like them to come out of the West because there's two teams in particular that I like more than Phoenix. JY, it's a great cap as well. A team win total is a regular season award. To win the Western Conference, you have to add the playoffs when things ramp up in the NBA for sure. But we focus on that Pacific Division, which is absolutely stacked. The reigning NBA champs and the Golden State Warriors, plus 190, the favorites to win this division. The Clippers only five cents behind. The return of Kawhi Leonard and John Wall matched up with Paul George at plus 195. And there are the Suns at plus 200. JY, those two other teams in the West, do they take place in the Pacific Division? Yes, they do. It's the Clippers and the Warriors. Now, here's the thing I would say. I would almost lay the two-to-one odds to take Phoenix first. Here's why, folks. They have the youngest core of the group. You're going to figure Steph's going to get nights off. Draymond's going to get nights off. Same thing with Klay Thompson. And then obviously the Clippers are going to take it pretty slow early on, I think, with both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So the Suns are the team that I like to win the division. But when it comes to the Mm. Western Conference, the two other teams in the Pacific Division, the Warriors and the Clippers, I like to come out of the West, and it's actually the Clippers. I think they are actually the deepest team in the Western Conference. And we've seen some optimism in the odds work in the Clippers' favor throughout this offseason. The other team in Los Angeles, welcome back, Laker drama. New head coach Darvin Ham saying this about Russell Westbrook, J.Y. Russ is a Los Angeles Laker. I'm the coach. We talk about Laker business, basketball play. He's a Los Angeles Laker the last time I checked, and I'm really not mad at that. And he showed tonight he's going to thrive in this system. This is a quote from the preseason. But we got a shams bomb, if you will, earlier this week about a big blockbuster trade that might potentially happen that would send Russell Westbrook to Indiana and the Lakers would get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner in return. JY, what do you make of all the drama with the Lakers yet again? Save the drama for your mama. Oh, that's why I'm going to think about that. And if I'm the Lakers, here's what I'm going to say to you. If you're going to keep Russ, 
Bring him off the bench. Space him with shooters and let him driving lanes to attack. Him, LeBron, AD just don't mesh in their philosophy. But if you can take that Russell Westbrook and turn them over picks, you think LeBron cares about 2027 and 2029? Make the trade. And if you get Bad Buddy and Miles Turner, the Lakers shoot way up the board. So I would say if they get those two, look to the over win total. If not, take the under. Bad buddy. I like that look right there. GM Rob Polinka has already said LeBron is invested in LA. They are going to invest in LeBron. See you later, draft picks. JY, we'll talk later on Newswire. Thank you very much for your time. More TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Week number six of the college football season is on the horizon. We are in the thick of conference play, but has the ACC already been decided? That is the question we asked Josh Graham here on this Wednesday live on the morning after as we welcome him on to the show. Josh Graham, a sports radio host for WSJS Sports Radio in the triad there in North Carolina, covering the ACC with the best of them. The only man brave enough to pick Pittsburgh to win the Coastal Division a season ago, and they did win that division, and they did win the ACC title. It was the first time, Josh Graham, in six years that Clemson did not. It snapped a six-year ACC title winning streak for Dabo Sweeney in the Tigers. But now, things feel like they are back to normal in the ACC. Thank you for joining us here on the morning after on this Wednesday. Yeah, I think the ACC is decided. I think the four best, maybe five best teams in the ACC, including your undefeated Syracuse Orange, are in the Atlantic Division. And really, the ACC has nobody to blame but themselves for this. After the 2020 season, when Notre Dame joined for one year and they went divisionless and two teams were sent to the college football playoff, they had an opportunity that offseason to do what was already overdue at that point and scrap divisions so that you would have divisionless football for 2022. And since it's come a year late, they're going to get that in 2023. You're going to be stuck yep. with an inferior ACC championship game where Clemson, with more than two months left until the start of the ACC championship game, has already wrapped up the Atlantic. Wake Forest or NC State are the two next best teams. Clemson's already beaten both of them. They would need Clemson to lose not once but twice while going undefeated the rest of the way in order to take the Atlantic crown. That's just not going to happen. So Clemson's going to go to the ACC championship game. They're probably going to play North Carolina, whom I pick to win the uh, Coastal back in July. And they're probably going to win that game by a ton. So it's sad because I think the ACC is actually really good and the Atlantic's one of the strongest divisions in college football, if not the strongest. You could make that argument. uh, The ACC's decided and the Atlantic's decided. And we talked about how significant that two-week stretch was in the ACC, specifically in the Atlantic Division. Josh, with you the last time you were on this show. Clemson takes care of business in double overtime on the road in Winston-Salem against the Demon Deacons two Saturdays ago. And then at home in Death Valley, a six-and-a-half-point favorite and a top-ten tilt against NC State. They win and cover that number. And that's reflected now in the odds. It's not just Josh Graham or myself saying it. Clemson is a minus 250 favorite. 
to win the ACC. It's the best odds of any team to win any conference in all of the country. We'll get to Clemson's game against BC in just a little bit. But Josh, here's why this is so significant in my estimation. That six-year streak that Clemson won the ACC, they appeared in the college football playoffs. So if the conference is already wrapped up, do you have Clemson in your CFP? Absolutely. This Clemson team reminds me a lot of Alabama in 2017, the one that won the national championship against Georgia. And it's not just because they have a pretty good path to the to the uh, a pretty easy path to get to the college football playoff. All things considered, if you look at the SEC that particular season, but also it's because at quarterback, you've got a guy who's good enough to potentially be a conference player of the year. But you kind of wonder if DJ Uwe Unga the leg can take you that next step once you play competition that's even grounded with you. Remember, that 2017 Bama team, Jalen Hurts won ACC player or SEC Offensive Player of the Year. But in the championship game, when you're down by two scores against Georgia, yeah, Nick Saban realized that they hit a ceiling and they needed Tua to take them that extra step. Is Cade Klubnick the next Tua Tungavaloa? Maybe. Just Maybe. But regardless of quarterback play, they are good enough to get through the ACC. And if they win the ACC, I think they're going to be in the college football playoff. I completely agree. This week for Clemson, on the road in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts, against Boston College. It's a 20-and-a-half-point spread in favor of the Tigers. I do not expect Clemson to lose this game outright, Josh. But is it a Tiger trap when you look at that nearly three-touchdown spread? No, it's not. Boston College emptied out the bucket to beat Louisville last week. Now Clemson's coming in. Clemson is rolling. I think they unlocked something with about two minutes left to go in the first half against NC State. They were trailing 10-6, to and then they got Will Shipley involved. And then the Tiger D-line came out to play to start the second half. They get a touchdown on the next drive, and then all of a sudden you look at it. Wait a minute. I thought the NC State defense was really good. Uh, in, Clemson scored on four of their first five drives of this game, and in pretty short order, that game was in Clemson's control. And like you mentioned, it was a top 10 matchup. This is not that. I think Clemson's going to get back to the business of winning and winning by a ton. I wouldn't be deterred by that 20 and a half point number. So, speaking of that Wolfpack team, a disappointing result maybe last week on the road in Clemson, at least for their outright outlook for the rest of this ACC season. The same for Florida State, Josh, that was off to its first 4-0 start since the 2015 season. A top 25 matchup is nearly a touchdown favorite against Wake, and the Seminoles lose that game outright in Tallahassee. So FSU now plays NC State in Raleigh, and the Wolfpack a three-point home favorite. How do you expect the response to be for both of these teams this Saturday? I think Florida State is going to respond well, but I think NC State is a better team, and I don't know how they're going to respond. If I had to guess, kind of like with Wake Forest after the loss to Clemson, it's going to be pretty good returning back home and the key point here, Ben, is what Wake and NC State have in common is they are so darn experienced. You got 18 returning starters for Clem uh, for NC State, including the quarterback, Devin Leary. I see that number of 50 and a half. I think under might be the play between these two, considering 
how good State's defense is and how much they've struggled on the offensive side. I could see this being a pound-the-ball, slugfest type of a game. But the question is really how NC State's going to respond. And I think, if I had to guess, they will respond well in what should be a tight game. So now we go over to the Coastal because, as we mentioned, the Atlantic pretty much decided in Clemson's favor. Maybe the entire ACC already decided as we get ready for the second Saturday in October. But the Coastal yet to be decided. A huge game in that division this Saturday between Miami and North Carolina. Now, Josh, the Tar Heels are a three-and-a-half-point underdog on the road in Miami with a total of 65-and-a-half. My question is relatively simple. Should Miami be the favorite in this game? They should because they're at home and they're coming off a bye and they're the coastal preseason favorites of Mario Cristobal and all that. Yep. But this line stinks. It stinks. I don't I would stay away from this game. I have no idea which way it should turn, but then again, North Carolina has won five of the last seven meetings with Miami. One of those two losses, Carolina won three games or two games in a season in 2017. That was the Malik Rogier Miami nearly unbeaten regular season. And Miami only won that game by a few points in Chapel Hill. Mm. Carolina's played Miami really well over the years. And we'll see if that changes with Mario Cristobal being the coach. But it's year three for Mac Brown. This is year one for Mario Cristobal. And they were a seven and five team last year. So I would lean North Carolina in this game to win outright, and I like it even better since I'm getting the number. But to be honest, it's it's a game that stinks. That line stinks. And the implications are very significant for that coastal division. Again, Josh Graham came on this very show on the morning after, was one of 18 media members to pick North Carolina to win the Coastal Division when Miami was the preseason favorite and the preseason media pick. Right now in the ACC, tied for the second-best odds, North Carolina and Miami at plus 950. So how significant are those ramifications, Josh, based on Saturday's result between the Canes and the Tar Heels? You'd think they'd seem pretty significant. I I think 6-2 and wins the Coastal Division, and North Carolina is in a position, I think, with its schedule. They can get there whether they win or lose this game. But if they beat Miami, I think they're in full control. Pittsburgh's another team that you might worry about. And North Carolina has Pittsburgh coming off of a bye in Chapel Hill. Duke, let's not overlook the Blue Devils. They're unbeaten in conference play to this point. They beat Virginia by a ton last week. They've only lost one game this year. That's going to be a primetime tilt, not this weekend. But next weekend at Wallace Wade Stadium in Durham, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Duke, Carolina, and football, months after they met in a Final Four in basketball, might be must-watch TV for the Coastal Division. The Coach K revenge game on the gridiron for the Duke Blue Devils (laughs) next week. That's what we'll coin it, Josh. Quickly here, only about a minute left. Wake Forest takes on Army in a non-conference game this weekend it's in winston-salem last year when it was in west point the teams combined for 126 points with wake winning 70 to 56 so you see that total at 66 and a half and what do you have to say about it wait a minute 66 is not wake forest team total they scored 70 in the game last year so yeah if there's a play in this game take the over 
They scored 126 a year ago. I don't think Army's that good. Then again, I didn't think Army was that good last year. Wake Forest still is plenty as good as they were a year ago. Go up, go over when it comes to the game in Winston in primetime Saturday. I didn't know triple option offenses from service academies could score 56 points. I was not sure that was legal by the laws that we have here in the United States, but that's what Army did last year. Josh Graham of WSJS Sports Radio joining us here for his ACC insight. As always, we appreciate you, Josh Graham. More TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after, live on this Wednesday. It is the final day of the Major League Baseball regular season. The postseason begins on Friday. The postseason awaits for the New York Yankees. They have clinched the American League East. They get a first round bye in these new expanded MLB playoffs. We'll look at the postseason in the finale of this regular season for the pinstripes with Max Goodman joining us here on the morning after live on this Wednesday. Max, obviously, as the regular season has come to a close, it was the chase for history for Aaron Judge. Number 99 has hit number 62. 62 homers in this Major League Baseball regular season, the new American League record. You were taking in the game last night. You have followed this hunt for history for Aaron Judge. How would you describe what you saw last night in Texas? It's been remarkable, Ben, this entire process of him slowly approaching 60, 61, 62, and and for him to break the record and stand alone in the American League. Some people will say that he stands alone in all time. That's up for debate, but in the history books, he will have the most home runs in a single season in Yankees history and American League history. That's indisputable. And this season will go down as one of the best of all time, quite frankly. I mean, what he's done across the board, and we can talk about it more, but even beyond the home runs, in contention for a triple crown, outside chance to do that today, depending on how Luis Arias does with the Twins and and the batting title and the the batting average race, how he's stayed healthy, played on the field every single day, been so consistent and reliable as the face of this franchise, arguably the face of the league, uh, playing every day, uh, being consistent through the, the hard times with this team. And, and when you think of the word valuable and most valuable player, he's been so valuable to this club. I could go on and on. And the history of all of this, I don't think any of us, whether it's reporters, players, fans, outside parties, no one's really let this all sink in, the historic significance of this season and the home run he hit last night, because it's it's truly something we may not see again. Max, you cover this team with the best of them. You were not in Texas last night, but you were in Toronto when he launched number 61. Throughout this chase for history, how did you see that wear and tear on Aaron Judge, the effect that this historic season was having on number 99 in pinstripes? I always refer back to this one time when Yankees manager Aaron Boone was asked that question, how Judge has been handling this, and Boone said, perfect. And I think that you've seen a player that's been so resolute and so unfazed by this entire process. You saw it a little bit in game one of the doubleheader last night when he popped out in the fifth inning and cameras picked him up in the dugout, slamming his helmet. It wasn't 
a, a crazy outburst. It was just a little bit of emotion, something you don't always see with Judge, who's, like I said, very resolute, plays the game, puts his head down when he hits his home runs. But I think you could see the relief in his face when he was smiling and, and celebrating with his teammates that, come on, it, it's got a way on him, right? I mean, he's he's tied right. with Roger Maris 61 years after the guy hit 61 in 1961 again the historic significance of all of this is is beyond everyone's pay grade and i, I think judge is going to make quite a bit of money because he bet on himself and had such a, an unforgettable season and that will be the next step the offseason looming for aaron judge and the new york yankees and maybe some others around major league baseball but one final game in this regular season in texas today aaron judge's home run prop today max is plus 285 it's much more closer to a normal number you would see it was down closer to just two dollars throughout this hunt for history but as the Yankees get ready for this regular season finale in Texas they are the favorites today they will have a few days off as they await the winner of the Guardians and the Rays wild card series before they begin in the playoffs so what do you think Aaron Boone and the Yankees approach is to this regular season finale today against the Rangers it's avoiding injuries. It's making sure guys continue to swing hot bats and pitchers get into advantageous situations in the bullpen. I mean, this club is not 100% healthy. They're banged up, and I think that it's important that Giancarlo Stanton has hit a couple home runs in recent days. It's important that, you know, DJ LeMahieu is coming back from the injury and getting in the lineup and seeing what he can do because there are a lot of decisions that Boone and the coaching staff need to make in terms of who's going to be on this ALDS roster. Maybe that'll change depending on who wins the wild card round, like you said, between the Guardians and the Rays, very different teams, and, and we'll see who the Yankees end up facing. But other than just getting to the triple-digit mark, because the Yankees have a chance to win game number 100, and they're 99 and 62. Number 99 hit number 62 last night, so there's some wow. a little bit of history, and, and it's special with those two sets of numbers, but... Yeah, you don't, you don't want to get hurt a little bit more than you already are, and the game is meaningless beyond just a little bit of, of stat padding and, and getting the guys going for a, a deep postseason run. The Yanks split the doubleheader yesterday in Texas against the Rangers, but nobody is going to remember the final score of last night's game where Aaron Judge hit the 62nd home run of this season. Probably nobody will remember losing pitcher either, but it was Garrett Cole. He will end his regular season, Max. 13-8 with a 3-5-0 ERA and a Yankees franchise record with 257 strikeouts. That's the most in Major League Baseball as well at this time. He's also given up, though, 33 home runs. That is the most out of any American League pitcher this year. So how would you evaluate Garrett Cole's regular season and where he stands about to enter the playoffs as well? I'll start by saying this. For someone like Cole, who's making as much money as he is and has the track record and the reputation that he does, it's impossible for Cole to live up to expectations. I think the expectation for Cole would be for him to go out and post a, a zero ERA and strike out 400 batters and be perfect in the yeah. postseason. It's impossible. But what stood out to me is Cole broke Ron Guidry's record last night, a historic season several, several decades set ago before last night and and this year and Gidry was on the phone with some of the Yankees and Cole on Bluetooth audio in the clubhouse the Yankees posted this clip so so go look at it on Twitter if you haven't already and Gidry said I saw this coming when you signed with the Yankees a couple of years ago and I think that that's like I said the reputation that Cole has he has the potential to go out and have these historic campaigns like he did in 2022 
But the home runs are still there. The recency bias of what he did in the wild card game last year against the Red Sox is hard to forget. And no one's going to remember the record that he set in the regular season if he goes out there and has clunkers in the ALDS, ALCS, World Series, whatever it is. The pressure's on for someone like that when you are the ace of the staff for the most illustrious franchise in the history of the game. So the lights will be bright for Cole when he takes the mound in, in game one on, on October 11th against either Cleveland or, or Tampa Bay. And whenever he does pitch in the playoffs, the pressure will be on. But it certainly seems like he's starting to find his rhythm and he has the potential to go off in the postseason as well. I think that's perfect context to everything that is Garrett Cole as the ace of the staff for the New York Yankees. Max Goodman joining us here on this Wednesday on the morning after covering the Yanks and the Jets for Sports Illustrated and Fan Nation as well as the Yankees get ready for postseason play. One final game here in this regular season today in Texas. But Max, you mentioned it. October 11th will be the start of that ALDS where the Yankees as the two seed will host either the Cleveland Guardians, the champions out of the American League Central, or a wild card team they know very well in the Tampa Bay Rays. Right now, Cleveland is a slight favorite in those outright odds to knock off the Rays in advance to the American League Divisional Series. How do you think the Yankees stack up against either Cleveland or Tampa Bay? I've been thinking about this a bunch, and, and honestly, I think Seattle might be the toughest matchup coming out of the wild card series as much as Toronto is a great club as well. Seattle's got the history this year, breaking the drought. They've got such a talented top of the pitching staff and such. But I digress. I think Cleveland may be the more challenging matchup between them and Tampa Bay. Yankees have so much familiarity, like you said, with the Rays. They played them 19 times this year and every year in the past. And they they know that roster as much as they're very pesky. And they can beat the best club by playing the game the right way with analytics. They've got Kevin Cash in the dugout great bullpen, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, we haven't watched Cleveland play that much this year. And if you're a baseball fan, you know that Jose Ramirez has blossomed into this MVP candidate perennially. They've got a great top of the rotation. Tristan McKenzie has been great this season. Shane Bieber hasn't gone away, a a Cy Young candidate over the last several years as well. And they have arguably the best closer in all of Major League Baseball in Emmanuel Class A. And that's especially pertinent for the Yankees because right now they don't have a closer. Clay Holmes hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been good in the second half. You don't know who's going to be pitching in safe situations for the Yankees right now, which is weird when you consider Araldis Chapman has been in that role for so many years. And recency bias, again, he hasn't exactly performed in the playoffs either. But the Yankees are going into the postseason without a clear-cut closer. And Cleveland is one of the examples of a team that has a guy they can trust who's been so good all year long. So that team is not a club that's going to hit the ball out of the ballpark six times in a game, but that offense is something to be reckoned with. I mean, it's going to take the Yankees best to beat them in that round, and then I think everything runs through Houston. That's that's the biggest matchup in the ALCS that the Yankees still have to worry about as well. And Max, that's been a topic we have talked about often here on this show. Every time you've appeared on the morning after multiple times throughout this Major League Baseball regular season, it has been about the idea of the clear distinction at the top of the American League between the Astros and the Yankees and the rest of the field. We see that in the odds as we get ready for playoff baseball. The Astros are minus 195 to make the American League Championship Series. The Yankees are minus 170. Very short distinction between those two clubs and then a large drop-off of nearly four bucks to the Toronto Blue Jays. So when you compare the Yankees to the Astros, where do you think the matchup advantages or edges are as we get ready for postseason baseball? 
Well, it's going to be fun breaking down that matchup if that's what we end up seeing. And I think that series has the potential to be a hard-fought battle between juggernauts in the American League. Maybe it goes seven games. Maybe it's like the matchups these two clubs have had in the postseason in recent history. I mean, you can go through and compare. The Astros have a tremendous rotation. Justin Verlander has been a revelation breaking the the confines of time, really being a, a, a Cy Young candidate this season. But the Yankees have Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino. The ceiling for them and their rotation is great. I just talked about the bullpen. The Astros have some great relievers, but the offenses, there's some parity there. I mean, if Giancarlo Stan and Aaron Judge can carry a club and go nuclear in the postseason like they have in recent years, they can contend with Jordan Alvarez and, and Tucker and Bregman, Altuve, all the the names that you know in that Astros lineup that's so deadly. And there's a reason why they're the number one seed. They've been so good all season long. And go back and look at those regular season matchups because the Yankees had a lot of trouble with that Astros team. And I think that that's something we can look back on if this matchup comes to fruition because it's it's no gimme for the Yankees. As much as they're the best version of this team than it's been in, say, 2019, 2017, and we know the sign-stealing stuff that happened in the past too. I think the Yankees have a, a tremendous shot but it's going to take their best, and they've got to get some guys back and healthy if they want to beat the Astros. Quickly here, Max, on the final day of the Major League Baseball regular season, as playoff baseball starts on Friday, we look at the World Series odds. The Dodgers are the favorites, followed by Houston, followed by Atlanta, and there's the Yankees to round out the top four at plus 550. Max Goodman's World Series matchup prediction is what? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. I think that... A lot of us are rooting for this. I think that TV companies and markets and all of that are rooting for it. But I think it'll be Yankees, Dodgers in the World Series. And it's hard to bet against the Dodgers because of just how historically good they've been this year, too. That hasn't been talked about enough. They've got 110 wins. Historic. So it'll take the Yankees best. But I'll I'll side with L.A. Max Goodman covering the Yankees for Sports Illustrated. And we'll be doing great coverage all postseason long. Max Thank you so much for your time here on the morning after on this Wednesday. We round out the show up next, live right here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here live on this Wednesday on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. I am juiced up on this Wednesday, unlike many other Wednesdays. It's the middle part of the week. It's hump day. We get ready for the weekend. Football is on the horizon. Major League Baseball has its final day of the regular season. We're in that little bit of a lull, except for college football. SMU-UCF making up a game from the weekend that had to be rescheduled based on the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. Now played tonight in Orlando between Central Florida and SMU. The Knights, a a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. I would look at the underdog on that spread or maybe even money line, but we go even deeper. A college football prop. Before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for a college football best bet. Yes, even on a Wednesday, it is time for Bye Bye Bye. (laughs) 
John Rice Plumley is the quarterback for the UCF Knights. He is a transfer from Ole Miss where he did everything. He is one of the more athletic quarterbacks in all of college football. His rushing yards prop is not out yet. But in a standalone game on a Wednesday for college football, I expect the FanDuel Sportsbook to give you a rushing yards total. And when that number comes out, it's simple. We're going to take the over. The game log for John Rice Plumley so far this year, he has ran for at least 83 yards in every game for Central Florida this year, has had at least 16 carries in all four games on the ground. He has four rushing scores, and he has run for over 100 yards in three of the four. Whatever the number is, you take the over. Why? SMU's rush defense is not very good. The Stangs allowing more than a buck 80 on the ground this year. John Rice Plumley over his rushing yards prop, whatever the number is going to be. The morning after, live each and every weekday, right here on Sports Grid, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm Ben Stevens, and we'll talk tomorrow.